I take the definition of coaching to come from a stagecoach. A coach is, a, is a, a piece of equipment to help someone move from point A to point B. And so when I say, what does a coach do? They're there to help the person move from point A to point B. Welcome to Leadership Local Conversations. Brief conversations with Christian leaders about one core aspect of leadership to help us grow. Today, we're joined by Peter Mayrick. Peter is the lead of Partners in Ministry, who support and equip church leaders all over Australia to effectively lead their churches in Christ's mission and to build a culture of discipleship, evangelism, and leadership development. In this conversation, Peter and I met in the Brisbane Botanic Gardens to speak a bit about coaching. The last time we actually met in person, that we saw each other face-to-face in the flesh, so to speak, was actually in Sydney when four of the team, four of the St. Bart's team and I were, were down there doing some visits and you so generously took us around, you took us out to dinner. Two nights before the global pandemic was declared, we were sharing open platters at a Japanese restaurant oh, together. And then the team and I flew back to Brisbane on the day, March 11, 2020, when the pandemic was declared. So that was the last time that we met face to face. Wow. Can you believe? I didn't realise we've only met by Zoom since that time. I'm so thankful for your, your leadership and your involvement in partners in ministry. And you have been my coach and so appreciative of, of that. In this module in Leadership Local, we're talking about coaching. Mm-hmm. And I wonder to begin, we, we have a, a couple of questions that we normally ask of our leaders. We always interview some leaders at our, at our workshop. So you might just share, when, when did you become a follower of Jesus? Or when was the first time you realised that you're a follower of Jesus? I think I realised in my youth, uh, in about, about the age 15, 14, follower of Jesus. Uh, I grew up in a Christian family. I started high school and my sister was school captain and she was known as Mother Superior. So here I was, I was the top rugby player, but I was Dawn's brother. So those two had to come together. Was that I was a Christian, but it was a few years later that I realised, yeah, actually I am a Christian. And uh, this makes a profound difference in my life. Has there been a particular season in your life in which you've really grown and went through particular transformation as, as a follower? I think post-university, um, as I started work, I had to make a decision um, that I am a Christian in the workplace. I got, I got posted um, in my mid-twenties to Bangkok, and that was the first time when I was um, not accountable to anybody, and it was my decision, am I going to connect with God's church? Am I going to connect with Christ's church or not? And um, as I made that decision, I turned, went to a Baptist church around the corner, which was closed. A few weeks later, I was looking out off my balcony and realised there's a cross just under me. And I ended up at this church called the Evangelical Church of Bangkok, which was in the next street to me. And um, that was a profound time for me. I met with Christians from all over the world, mostly older than myself, uh, because most of the expat community in Bangkok was in in their 50s and 60s and um, a real blessing. That's incredible. Real blessing. Amazing to hear that sense of community connectedness in your walk with Jesus. Wonderful. And then I got married the year after. The girlfriend I'd left behind came over and we joined that community together. Mm. And again, that was profound for our marriage Mm. and our Mm. faith together. Mm. So at this point in Leadership Local, the module that we're up to is coaching. So we're thinking about coaching. And as I said, you have coached me and I've been in so awe of your generosity, so many of your, your characteristics as a follower of Jesus, but also your incredible skills in the area as well. When was your first experience of, of coaching, either being coached or 
coaching. I, when I started in the pharmaceutical industry as a young 21-year-old, uh, I was coached by a guy who became my mentor. And if you met him now, you'd say, oh, he copies you, Peter. Um, and my best friend also was at, that, at Astra as well. And you'd say, Phil copies me. The truth is we both copy this mentor. Um, he was not a Christian man, but was such a good coach. He loved people. He cared for people. And I think that was the thing where I first saw the expression of coaching. And he taught me what I train now. When you coach someone, you always coach the person and then the task. And to miss one of those is to miss out on what coaching really is for most, in most environments. So you're now at Partners in Ministry. In fact, you're leading Partners in Ministry. And that's been a growing team and a growing reach missionally as, as well. What is actually the focus of your role there? Partners in Ministry, we, we exist to walk beside pastors. Uh, we recognise that church leaders are lonely, they're isolated, they're vulnerable, but they're not able to make their vulnerability uh, available to the people inside the church because we've shown time and time again that we're not trustworthy with it. We will hurt the pastor with their vulnerability. So it's an isolated role. So we exist to walk beside pastors and then we help pastors with skills that we might be able to train them in uh, and also tools as well. My role is to lead a team. We now have 21 people around the country across denominations who walk beside pastors. We call them ministry partners. Some people call what they do coaching or mentoring or pastoral supervision. We, we say they're a ministry partner because those terms have different um, uh, meaning to different people. Um, and, and my role is to lead the team. And God keeps bringing good people along uh, from different denominations. And uh, I just feel so blessed for that. So my, my role is to, as with any leader, is to be the culture curator and, and making sure we're on the agenda that we want to be on. So partners in ministry are involved in, in many things. Coaching, though, is a really significant part of that. So I wonder if you could just share with us, and different people who are part of Leadership Local will have varying experiences of, of coaching, but, but partners ministry are obviously very invested, invested in, in coaching and really serious in resourcing coaching. What, what is coaching and why do you think coaching is such an important priority? My definition of coaching is the broadest definition I can think of. So I'm not playing in coaching versus mentoring versus pastoral supervising. I'm, I'm into just walking beside people. And so I, I take the definition of coaching to come from a stage coach a coach is, a, is a, a piece of equipment to help someone move from point A to point B. And so when I say, what does a coach do? They're there to help the person move from point A to point B. And that, that includes in their life, in their, on their task or whatever it is. So it's other person centric, but there is usually a purpose to it, um, to get from A to B. Um, and so as I said, I was trained by a non-Christian. You would always coach the person and the task. And so for me, that's where coaching finds its um, place. And so mentoring, pastoral supervision, they have the same sort of objective, slightly different methodologies um, that come together uh, with a similar purpose to see whole people doing well. So, so coaching obviously involves a relationship and also a conversation yes. or a series of many conversations. What, what do you think makes for a really great coaching conversation? I think um, a mindfulness of truth and grace. I think in any interpersonal relationship, truth and grace need mm. to exist. Mm. I think in Christians we get that wrong all the time. 
I think it's, it's really important to understand grace is usually not understood until truth is understood. If I'm gracious to you and kind to you and forgive you, um, my grace may well be wasted if you don't understand that you need to be forgiven. You've done something wrong. So the truth is important, but, I, but equally truth on its own, I'll beat you over the head. Truth then has grace beside it. You start to understand the context. So I think that has to come in. And what I mean by that then, the conversation needs to be um, a, a trusted conversation, but you need to be able to be truthful. And so when we're talking about personhood and the person, truth about what's going on, but then the grace to acknowledge that we are all flawed and we all have challenges. And so let's talk about how we might learn from what's gone on, reflective experience or thinking about the future. And the same when we talk about the task. Um, Not every task, we we typically don't do every task person perfectly. Um, And so let's be honest about what we've done well and what we'd like to do differently. And then let's lean into that. But again, when it's not done well, let's not beat the person up. Um, there's usually a reason why things were not done well, and only one of those reasons is because they can't be bothered. Most of the time it's, I wasn't able to, I didn't have the bandwidth, I didn't have the skills or the competency. There, there's other things I didn't understand, you know. There's got to be a lot of grace, but there's got to be truth to identify what it's... needs to be done. So I, th- I think the other thing then, though, is to know what is the purpose Uh, What is the objective? And so what is the objective of that personhood conversation? And so um, I think we get that wrong all the time. I think as we look as Christians, the objective of personhood is to see people growing in their love for Jesus, seeing people um, being Christians and growing as disciples. And so um, that personhood conversation should be there. But I'm not there to judge. I'm there to help you to whatever that looks like. And the same with um, when it comes to the task. What's the purpose for this task? Um, That's why the most popular coaching methodology is a model that starts with what's the goal. Um, But, um, you know, purpose and then truth and grace. Um, And once I realise, actually, as a coach, that the purpose is about you, then the conversation and the approach becomes entirely other person-centred rather than ego-centred. Um, and I think most people struggle with that. Mm. A good coaching session is when the person leaves and they're feeling like, right, I'm ready for this, or this was helpful for me. Some, some of the people in our leadership local program will be involved in all sorts of spheres of leadership. Yeah. All of them will be involved in some aspect of leadership at St. Bart's, but also many of them on the various front lines in which they serve. And of course, in the the household units as well. There's aspects of leadership, of course, there too, but in all sorts of ways. Many of them won't be involved in formal coaching relationships. So they lead teams, but they're not in some sort of formal agreement with people in their teams and coaching. Yet at another level, every conversation they have with people in their team is an opportunity for, for coaching. Yeah. It's a coaching conversation. In light of everything you've shared in terms of purpose, but also truth and grace, if there was one skill that you think leaders can bring to every conversation that they have, what, what do you think that one skill might be? I think there's a stance and then there's a skill. So there's a stance which is one of compassionate discipleship. So I'm coming to the table loving the Lord my God with all my heart and therefore loving you as myself. You know, I'm coming to the relationship like that. 
the skill then I think becomes listening and understanding. Because um, if I'm motivated by the former, I'm going to want the best for you on whatever you're doing. That's the stance. Um, and that's a gift from God. So I, I would pray before I meet with someone if I'm meeting formally. Um, but I think the skill is listening and then following that is the wisdom. So we often think we've got to lead with our wisdom. Mm. Well, I think wisdom comes when you respond to where the person is at, which is emotional intelligence. Mm. So you could say that's a skill. Mm. Um, and listening is obviously core to that. Mm. I'll, I'll say to you candidly, I've got a really good healthy ego. So listening is something I have to always work on. And I think that's true for most leaders. Yeah. We, we, tell, we tell people, you're a good leader, you're a good leader, and we want to show people that. Yeah. When you come to the coaching table, you've got to park that. Mm. And um, that's why I've loved doing what I'm doing for the last 10 years. Because mm. I walk into other people's offices, um, other people's churches. I'm not there to be the theologian. I'm not there to be the leader. I'm there to help this person mm. be a better leader under God. Lightning round, I've got three questions for you. So first question, how, how is God growing you as a leader right now? I think he's teaching me um, and growing me to listen to reason. This has been the, the thing of the last six months, James 3, mm. 17. Second question, what's, a, what's the last helpful leadership book that you read? It's called Powerful Leaders? Question mark by um, Marcus Honeycott, I think his name is, um, from England. Great. And his first three chapters talk about Christian leadership. and I'm pretty judgmental on books because yeah. um, I think we get it wrong, leadership wrong so often. But he wrote leadership how I probably would have written if I was writing a book. Final question. As you think about the legacy that you think God is calling you to leave through partners in ministry, what's the, what's the end goal in mind that shapes how you lead today? My end goal is to see pastors flourishing as they lead churches. So I want to see... 2,500 churches, not all through partners in ministry, but through a combination of providers mm. being supported one-to-one -one and um, saying, hey, I'm serving well. And I think part of the fruit of that will be longevity in ministry, mm. um, health in ministry, but also leading, living lives that other people think are worthy of imitation. Mm. Not perfection, but just modeling discipleship well. That would be what I'd love to see as a legacy. That's an amazing vision. An amazing end goal. Thank you so much for your time, Peter. You've been so generous. I'm so grateful to God for you and also genuinely for the work of 